HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2017. We've got some great guests today with us at heritageradionetwork.org. We'd like to welcome to the show. We'll do a, a walk around the room. We'll start with our good buddy who has an all New York State uh, craft beer bar. Hi, I'm Stephen Baird from Cardiff Giant and the Owl Farm. All right, we got journalists in the room. Yep, I'm Ethan Fixell. I'm the editor in chief of the Beer Necessities. And a, a beer rep. My name is Cody Wilson. I work with Prairie Artisan Ales. And another beer rep. One of our favorites. Biarolia with Shelton Brothers Importers. And visitors from. All right. And I'm <laughs> Rochester, New York people. Rochester Beer Geek. Uh, Paul Leone, New York State Brewers Association. All right, so it's a special show, Paul. We, you know, you're in town for the uh, Taste New York uh, experience, which is tomorrow. Yep. And last week you were here for the Governor's Challenge. Yes. Um, give us a little update on you know what's going on in New York State Beer, you know, the head of New York State Brewers Association. A lot of things have changed in the last few years. A lot of things have changed. You know, I, I, I don't want to get all you know, stat geek on you, but you know, what, the, the stats I like to throw out is you know, we're, when I started this job in 2013, there were 115 breweries. There are 326 today. Uh, and just in four years, um, you know, we're, we're, we're over a $4 billion uh, industry in New York State. Um, and both of those numbers ranks us fourth in the country. So that's pretty impressive. You know, when you talk about uh, New York State beer um, or, or you talk about beer in general in the United States, it's still all about, you know, Colorado and Oregon and Washington and California. But New York is quietly becoming a player. Uh, and, and it's really great to see. Well, New York's always been, always been big. I mean, what, in the 19th century, we're the top hops 
upgrowing state. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I had this conversation a little earlier. Uh, you know, I mean, if you look at the history of, of beer, just beer in general, you know, where were the earliest beer bars? Where were the earliest pubs? Where were the earliest breweries? I mean, right here. I mean, it really started here. And, and you know, we lost our prohibition, kind of kind of took all that away. And, and then the Pacific Northwest and, and the West Coast kind of picked up the craft mantle. Um, and, and so they kind of, it's all about them still. But, but you know, we're, we're making great strides. You know, and what about, you know, building this base of craft breweries in a state? I feel like mm-hmm. New York's come a long way. When you first started, you were the first employee of the New York yeah, State Brewers Association. executive director, yeah. What are some things that have happened under you that you feel like have made a difference? Well, we've got an amazing set of board of directors. I mean, they're the ones who really pull the strings. I might be out front, but it's all about them and the decisions that they make. Um, and one of the things that, that they've done incredibly uh, is, is change the laws and, and help guide the legislation in the state, which makes it a whole lot easier for breweries to open. Uh, you put more money in their pockets, to you less regulation, um, and, and the breweries are going to open. And, and, and that has a lot to do with our governor, too. I mean, I always say, regardless of your politics, Governor Cuomo is an amazing advocate for, for craft beverages in New York State. You know, and going over to Stephen from Cardiff Giant, you know, the, the recognition is that you've opened a, a bar that's only serving New York State product. And five years ago, that wouldn't have been such a great place. <laughs> five years ago, uh, the liquor would have been very limited. So Cardiff Giant, um, all the alcohol is New York State, top to bottom, wine, beer, cider, liquor. Um, but even five years ago, you could have had an all-New York State beer bar. It wouldn't have been the most diverse beer bar. But now we can have a diverse range of products, um, really every part of the spectrum, spontaneous fermented beers, all the way to, to Brooklyn Lager, you know, which is like the granddaddy of New York State craft beer. Can I give you an amen for that? Sorry, I just want to jump in there. <laughs> and Barnabas, if you had to get on, we've got our Rochester boy here. Hello. Got surprised by, by these beer experts from Rochester. Oh, thank you, sir. Um, yeah, I'm from Rochester. Um, we've got a great scene going on. Uh, shout out to uh, all my people at Three Heads, which is uh, a brewery that started off just doing stuff um, kind of small homebrew batches and now they have like the second largest brewery in rochester um very proud and very happy with what they're doing along with a host of other breweries um whether it's wild fermented whether it's hazy ipas stouts even barley wines we're getting up Swiftwater brewery doing great stuff and cider uh williamson we have probably in the greater rochester area over five cider makers so. That's great, man. Thanks for surprising us. And tomorrow, again, it's the Taste New York experience. By the time any of you listen to us, it will be over. But we're really proud of it. You know, uh, our buddy Sam Filler, who's now running the New York State Wine and Grape Foundation, helped organize that. And it's going to be, what, the best of New York State wine, cider, beer, and spirits. It's really a snapshot of what's going on in New York State with all four beverage sectors. And, and, uh, and again, this is really a program, Taste New York and the governor. It's like, hey, let's shine a light on these folks and what we're doing here. And, of course, New York City is a perfect place to do it. That's great, man. Cheers to uh, Taste New York. And Stephen, you know, our all New York State craft bar, what, what beers are we drinking? Because we're drinking uh, I brought a whole slew of stuff today. Uh, we just started off with a Transmitter W2, which is a spelt saison. Uh, they have a wide range of uh, yeast over there in our labo- laboratory. I'm not sure what they use, but they have lots of cool mixed ferment beers going on. I just opened up the Industrial Arts and Burial Collaboration uh, uh forget what it's called. It's a hoppy American wheat beer uh, fermented with a coal yeast and then loaded with Eldorado hops. And then we got some double IPAs, Gosa with uh, key limes, 
pale ale, all kinds of stuff. And I think I'm going to go to Cardiff Giant tonight after the show, man. It's a good place. With you. It's a good place. Let's keep talking around the state. So, Ethan, you know, yeah. you're, you're a writer of beer, or maybe even wine sometimes. Sure. So you have a trip planned for... Uh, Finger Lakes, New York. Yeah, I'm going to go visit these guys, actually. Now that they didn't know I was coming, but now I'm coming. Yeah, good. Staying with you. Uh, I'm actually surprised by it. It seems like the farm brewery thing has taken off, too. You were mentioning uh, Governor Cuomo and, and the laws that were changed. A lot of that had to do with farms, am I right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the farm brewing law yeah. is one of those laws that, I mean, what is New York State? It's an ag state, right? Mm-hmm. So, And we own the hop industry before prohibition. Um, all the hops came from here. And, and of course, you know, barley grows in New York State. So the law was really great. We, we actually restarted an industry. There's 14 malt houses now Wow! In, in New York State, more than any other state in the country. And I think, Jimmy, that's a big part of it. It's like a lot of ingredients are being grown here now, too. And that's changed. I mean, that's that wasn't 30 years ago. You didn't see that happening in New York. You that's know, what I'm excited New about. New York's number three in, in the country in wine production. So, yep. you know, we have a lot, long way to go with everything. But so tell us some of the spots you're going to on this trip. I'm, I'm particularly interested. Well, the, the thing is, I actually haven't picked them out yet. Um, I'm going to see a couple wineries and a couple of breweries. Um, there were a couple in Rochester. Maybe you guys can give some shout outs because I, I haven't do set you, my Do you know what lakes you're going to be on at all? Because we've got the Finger Lakes up there. I want all the lakes, There's a lot of lakes. <laughs> like I tell you, there's a lot of lakes. But, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, you just, um, just you, I think all, when you're with the wine and you know, when you get in that region, they're all on wine trails. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, you know, when you go upstate, you just see a lot of mixture of wine, beer, spirits, and cider. Let's open this up. My big question. So we've got Governor Cuomo in New York who's done a lot for all the craft beverage industries. Are there any other governors that are really noted for, you know, supporting beer in this country? Cody and Cody's in from Oklahoma. Yeah, not Oklahoma whatsoever. I feel I feel like the tiny guy in the room because you know you've mentioned 400 breweries and Oklahoma sitting at right around 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. And luckily, you know, our laws just passed last year that allows uh, breweries to do on-site sales and consumption, mm-hmm. which is a huge push for us. But um, still, you know, we're under 20. You're not last though. Mississippi just did it this year, so I don't even know where Mississippi I'm, is. I'm from yeah. Arkansas, so you're, yeah. you're being Arkansas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. And then what about Colorado? Well, I you know, it's funny. I get together about three or four times a year with the other executive directors around the country, and, and they sit around, and, and a lot of our topics are, um, you know, what, what the problems with your state. And I largely sit quiet because we, we can do pretty much anything here. I mean, you know, within reason. But there are states still, I mean, to your point, um, that, you know, uh, can't do a lot of things. There, uh, I got a call from the executive director of Kentucky, um, who was really interested in our franchise law. And, you know, there, when you open a brewery, a wholesaler owns you. Uh, and that's how it is there. It's like they have to sign on with a wholesaler and they own you. Um, and there's no self-distribution. And there's, you know, all of these things, hugely restrictive, a lot of states are. And, and so we got it pretty good here. So, Cody, should New York State take over Oklahoma? <laughs> At this point, with our laws changing, uh, no. I'm going to say we're happy with the way things are going right now. So what's it like for you? You're, you're here in New York selling beer at Prairie Artisan. Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> we're doing tours tonight, uh, which I can't be you know, happier about uh, doing this right now. We're, we have way too many beers open for, <laughs> for, for an hour-long radio station. We have you know, a 13% barrel-aged uh, Imperial Stout in the fridge. Uh, it's, it's going well. Great. And Steve, what, what's the next beer you popped? Uh, let's see. I popped a Pilsner from Industrial Arts. I popped, uh, it's called Metric Pilsner. I popped Greenpoint Bathmophobia, uh, hazy double IPA with oats. Uh, I think probably mosaic hops, 
then we I popped the uh, Gun Hill Berliner Weiss with Key Lime. And then we got this Long Island City uh, Beer Project Pale Ale right there, too. I wanted to speak about uh, self-distribution for a second. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic for the brewers. It's a pain in the ass for beer buyers. Um, it's great because I want the brewers to make as much money as possible. Uh, but Cardiff Giant has used about 85 vendors since we opened wow. a year ago. Yeah. And it's like every, you know, I'm buying one keg from here, one keg from there. Um and so there's not too many people who are willing to do that, but we need more people who are willing to just do the work, find it, write a bunch of $200 checks, and, uh, and, and support the state. I'm a big fan of self-distribution. I, mean, I know it's a lot of work at Jimmy's number 43. You know, there's, there's days when I have two or three breweries coming with one keg each, and I appreciate the dedication. I mean, Paul, statewide, I think it's pretty unique that, that New York allows a self-distribution. It's funny. True? Yeah, there are a lot of states still don't. The wholesalers, especially in the South, it's that good old boy network um, where they see self-distribution as a huge threat. Uh, the wholesalers in New York State actually like it um, because a brewery opens, they have to do all the hard work, they have to lug the kegs, they have to get the accounts, they have to do all of those things. So basically, when they're ready for a wholesaler, they already know the wholesaler's business. They know their job, they know their pain, and they appreciate it a lot more. Plus, they've built accounts already. So wholesalers get it up here, and they love it. Makes sense. Yeah. And what about Oklahoma? So that's really interesting. You guys are touching subject on this. Uh, with Perry Artisan Ales, we're... A law passed that in 2018, uh, October, we get to decide if we're going to self-distribute or not. Um, so it's a really interesting conversation to actually be having and listening to right now with all of you guys and saying how well it's going here in New York, uh, because that's something we have to really decide on. And if, if, we, if we do go with someone, we have to be locked in with them. Um, and if we self-distribute, can we get to the small people in Oklahoma, you know, and you don't know where Weatherford, Oklahoma is by any means, but can we get to Weatherford uh, to give those people that have been loyal to us? Um, you know, is it west of the Mississippi? Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Do you know that if you think that the Mississippi divides the country in half, but it doesn't. It's like the east of the Mississippi is like one-third of America, and west is two-thirds. Did you guys know that? The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big country out there. Yeah. And BR for you, you know, with, with Shelton Brothers, you guys are in so many states. Others, like, I, I'm trying to pick, Colorado has a governor who used to be a... Brewer, Hickenlooper, yeah. huh. you know. Are there, are there any other states that you might might recognize as being really I mean, good I would for say beer? New York and Colorado would be the two that come to mind. Um, I mean, it's you know, it's it, it's really it has a lot to do, as you were saying, especially in southern states where there's some of that entrenched distributor old boy network. Mm. And I mean, we fight those franchise laws because it's not helpful to anyone. It's not helpful to the brewers. Um, it's not helpful for the consumers. I mean, we're I'm a big fan of self-distribution myself because the beer gets to the bars and to the consumers without the distributor markup, which is a great idea because, I mean, not to say that distributors should be out of a job, but especially for the smaller breweries that, um, you know, they might get lost in a portfolio of a larger distributor. And this way, you know, they know the people who want to get their beer and they're able to deliver it to them at a lower price. And I think that's that, you know, it's, it benefits everyone, really. And then, as you said, the larger distrib you know, distributor then can pick them up. They've already got laid the groundwork. Um, you know, they've got buyers and accounts in place. Ethan, have you done any stories like different laws state by state? No, you know, honestly, anytime I've tried to look into the topic, it just gets so overwhelming mm -hmm. that I give up because our uh, the three tier system is is so intensely complicated and convoluted. It, it's it, there's no other country like it that I know of. Does anybody know of any other country that has a system like that? I think prohibition just screwed us. <laughs> well, Oklahoma was on a four tier system. So <laughs> oh, good you for think, you. You think three tier is hard? Uh, try four. So it's <laughs> what's the fourth tier? 
Uh, so, you know, you start with uh, Crown Royal, and then you go to a broker, and then you go to a distributor, and then you go to uh, wow. on- and off-premise hmm. accounts. Um, so it creates another, you know, and it, it, it has its advantages. You know, the brokers are out there pushing their brands, and the distributors have to pick it up. But uh, it also creates uh, higher prices. I, I was just going to jump in. I think a lot of people think that brewers are against the three-tier system, and I would say just the opposite. It's not true. I think it's necessary, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the three-tier system protects everybody. Um, with craft brewers, I think you know we need wholesalers. We need uh, solid retailers, and, and you know we, we need suppliers. So as long as it's, it's run well, I think a three-tier system. So it needs fixing. But, well, that's what I'm yeah. confused by. Maybe you can clarify or, or mm-hmm. help us understand, because I don't understand why brewers want the three-tier system but also want to self-distribute. A little background before prohibition. The one good thing of prohibition was that before prohibition in America, say a brewery actually owned a bar, bars tap lines, and that's one thing that prohibition mm-hmm. took away. So imagine it's kind of like a lot of places in England. Mm-hmm. Let's say I can only have you know XXY's macro beer on my taps. Um, that was that was kind of what happened before prohibition i I think with consolidation and with what ab is doing um three-tier system is kind of a a fall safe in a lot of ways now um uh it 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 keeps control i think you know it's no secret that what ab is doing and and they're they're you know they're hurting us uh and and their plan is to hurt us i mean they want to hurt craft you know that's that's a great segue we're gonna take a short break we'll be back and talk more about that on beer sessions radio all right Heritage Foods USA is a farm-to-table online butcher and founding sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Foods got its start when Patrick Martin's first stepped foot onto Frank Reese's Kansas farm in 2001. Back then, Frank was the only farmer in America raising true heritage turkeys with recorded lineages tracing back more than 150 years. Patrick knew instantly he'd found a unique moment, an opportunity to go beyond acknowledging these breeds as being jeopardized and to actually do something to save them. Patrick asked Frank to ramp up production and made a promise to him that if he would raise them, Heritage Foods USA would sell them. That was the moment that Heritage Foods' slogan, Eat Them to Save Them, was born. By creating a market for delicious meats from Heritage Breeds, we can ensure they'll be around for generations to come. Plus, Heritage Breeds just tastes a whole lot better. Learn more at HeritageFoodsUSA.com and use the code HERITAGERADIO for two free pork chops with your first order, brother. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Well done. Use the code of discount on Heritage Heritage Foods USA. They're the the founders of Heritage Radio Network. Support them if you like good meat. Heritage Foods USA. All right. So we're talking. Paul put up the big question. You know what's protecting us? Three tier system. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's no secret what AB's doing. It's funny when we were doing some research on legislation. Um, we found out that they actually have um, a, a department or a division called the Disruptive Growth Team, and it's a team of lawyers um, that literally try to find a way to stop the momentum of craft. And, and, and you know, they, they're smart. You know, they, they'll do whatever they can within the law to uh, um, sometimes outside of the law, but most of the time within the law uh, to, to slow this machine down. Um, and and, and it's, it's really sad in a lot of ways, but their jobs are, are to, to make sure that we don't continue this growth so the state brewers association the 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 brewers association nationwide Mm -hmm. you guys really out there to help protect and promote craft beer well i we certainly have a mantle i mean look at 
I mean, not, not to get too far on a tirade here, but I mean, think about what they're doing. They're buying up breweries around the country, um, and they're creating their own craft portfolio. So when you have you either still you still have a Bud House and you still have a Miller House, um, and the Bud House is creating their own craft portfolio with their own beers. Uh, you go to a baseball stadium, uh, and, and Budweiser has a sponsorship there, and you look at like, wow, they have all these great craft brands. Well, it's all theirs, right? I mean, that's that's the plan is to to basically build their own craft portfolios. Barnabas, if I went into a, a, a beer bar that I liked and it has all craft beers, but then it has a Bud Light line. What do you think about that bar? Um, I think that they're probably a bar that is just trying to create an option for the supposed, uh, quotes, everyday drinker. Um, but then again, you have to look at the kind of invisible wall that is distribution. Because I can walk into a craft beer bar and being in the business know, oh, this is X distributor. They are a Bud distributor. Five of these lines, you know, belong to them. I There's a bar in Rochester where you can walk in. It's basically all one distributor. Um, and yet that might also be part of the bar management position that gets ignored from time to time. Because some bars will just say, hey, give me whatever whatever you got. You know, yeah. give me every Sam seasonal you have. And then they just well, go up. Old school, I heard that if you go in a bar and you see a Bud Light line, then that means all the other beers aren't moving. And Ooh. maybe they're not cleaning their lines either. So I don't want to go too <laughs> too far but on you know it. What? But I, I don't even want to. To me, it's not a good good line to see. But and not even to defend them, but uh, a little bit. I mean, you know, we're still only what twelve percent of the entire market, right? So that that I mean, there's still eighty eight percent of the people that are drinking uh, macro beer, and and um, you know, and that's not to say that it's they're making bad beer. Their their beer is good consistently. What they do is amazing, um, but what they're trying to do to us is not so amazing. And and you know. As long as the beer stays good craft, we'll continue to grow. Let's switch back to this Stephen who's doing the right thing. Well, I mean... That card of I, I, You know, I make concessions, too. We have... Uh, we can, I like to have a cheap, crushable beer at every bar, so we do have... We're all New York State. We've got the Jenny Cream, um, which is, you know, it's not, not even owned Rochester by... Barnes. Not even owned by a New York company anymore. It's like a Costa Rican company. Um, and it, it moves pretty well, because at the end of the day, I want to create a space where someone can come in and we can get them something they like no matter what they're familiar with and then educate from there, you know. If someone comes in, they're, they want a Bud Light and they drink a Genesee beer and they have a good time with that and then my bartenders are friendly and nice, maybe we can get them into something else, which is the ultimate goal. And Ethan, you know, you're a beer writer, you're, you're working with different clients. You know, yeah, what's well, your take on I, everything? I feel like I'm, uh, this is like my big reveal, uh, like Chris Jenner right now. I write for the Beer Necessities. I'm the editor. And that's owned by AB, actually. It's a publication that's owned by AB. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of controversy about this in recent times because of the Wicked Weed buyout. Oh, beer Necessities. Well, we got the song that Jimmy likes to sing. Um, and then later this was talked about online because of an issue with Beechwood Brewing that some, some of the listeners might know about. And, you know, I'm happy to talk about any of that stuff. But it's, it's interesting for me because I've been freelance for for seven years writing for you know a dozen different publications and i still write for all those publications but now i'm also working with this company and um you know i i hear everybody's concerns but i'm also sort of you know i hear i hear everybody's concerns with, on both sides and it's an interesting uh debate i don't have a i'm not here to defend anybody or you know make a statement but uh let me ask you, because, yeah, sure. uh, you know, I just went on a tirade uh, bashing uh, mm. Bud. Um, I'm used to it. No, no, I know. <laughs> but but that's my question to you. Are, are you getting a lot of pushback because uh, uh, because of who Beard Necessities? What kind of pushback are you getting? Sorry, Jimmy, I don't mean to step on your... 
No, you're not, man. Prowess. You're okay. a special guest. <laughs> yeah, all right. uh, no, it's a great question. I, actually, we're not getting any pushback about the publication. It's pushback about AB. And so, you know, everything that we've written has all been positive. I've written about a million different craft breweries that have nothing to do with AB, and everything is positive, and, and I'm super proud of the content. The only, the only difference is that the money that's funding it is coming from... The, the company that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So obviously, people have things to say about that brand, and and um, you know, I, I, I you can say what you want about them, but with the publication, I'm super proud of the work. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, the pushback is really c- more coming from frustration over the Wicked Weed situation, over distribution situations, things that I, I don't really have to do it. And if you guys, listeners, we're going to move this June 20th. We're doing a special episode. We'll actually be examining the impact of the big bad guys on the homebrew supply chain. That'll be a great show. June 20th. Right now, we're going to cut. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. But okay. with Cody, more stuff, fun stuff. Oklahoma beers are drinking. Let's 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 taste some more beers. Awesome. Uh, because brought- we, we we can talk about this macro thing forever, but I don't really want to. So I just want to drink the good stuff. So the good stuff. So that Stephen brought us. Said earlier, we already opened too many beers, and I, uh, we just popped four more. Um, Prairie Artisan Ales. We're coming Welcome live with uh, Prairie Standard, our Hoppy Farmhouse. Uh, it's a year-round beer. We have Prairie Standard, our Prairie Hop, and then we did one. Be- so let's, I, let's pop one. Which one are we going to do next? And uh, tell us the story about the illegal basement beer that you guys first <laughs> made. Illegal. I wish my boss was here, Zach, because uh, he. This is how we actually welcomed the Shelton brothers. My first day, one year. This is my year anniversary with Prairie, uh, which is pretty awesome. But. Um, it's kind of his introductory when we're in Krebs, which I don't expect any of you to know where Krebs is, but uh, you'll learn a little bit today. Uh, Krebs Brewing Company. Um, I've had Krebs. Yes. You're lying. Who I just know, lied have, to me? Yeah, I, have, uh, I had him at Sabre last year, I think. It, no, it was uh, during a lobby day uh, in D.C. Oh, wow. I've this had Krebs. Is, this is awesome. Uh, so, yeah, Chalk Beer, yeah, uh, which is Great Grandpa's uh, basement batch beer, uh, brewed in a bathtub. Uh, and it's just kind of in short that uh, the cops allowed it because everyone was drinking it. Um, it was illegal. But uh, Krebs Brewing Company came to be a brewery, brewed chalk beer, short for Choctaw beer. And then he eventually last year acquired Prairie Artisan Ales from Chase Healy. You know, there's so many cool new breweries out there. And you know, Paul, we were talking about this earlier. And, and BRT, you guys always have so many new breweries. And Ethan, I mean, you know, how do you guys do it? You know, it's like you're, you're, you're out there, you're selling your, your beers. And honestly, I, I can hardly remember some of the breweries. I start getting confused about, oh, there was the brewery that had chicken feathers on it. That was against the grain. I thought it was Prairie Artisan. <laughs> what, so you how do we do what? I mean, that's what I like. How do we keep going? How do we sell our beer? I mean, yeah, how do you differentiate, differentiate yourself from some brewery from Chicago? And you're coming to New York. I mean, also, let's talk about this. How are you selling beer in New York? As an out-of-state brewery. So one thing is an experience. You know, Colin Healy, uh, who's the co-founder of Prairie, who's our art director, uh, every label is from him. Uh, It just gets more and more creative each time. Uh, You can find some things that maybe aren't, you know, child-appropriate every once in a while. And then uh, it's just, it's exciting. So it starts with the label, and then the beers itself, you know, speak for itself. Uh, A Prairie Bomb was just poured to the gentleman next to me. Uh, You Mm. know... Uh, vanilla, vanilla even, chocolate, even. coffee, and peppers. Uh, it's really a one of a kind beer, and getting you know to, to be there at uh, five in the morning to get, you know see this thing get mashed in and the amount of uh, love it takes uh, is really special. So I, I just want to say that's one of those beers that many people, some people in New York haven't even had, but they know about and they talk about and they want. That's what we want to hear. So I mean, that's kind of the experience. You know, is we want our beer to be an experience, and I think for the most part we're you know. We're doing a decent job. So, Ethan, what, you know, elaborate on that. So, we're in New York. We're trying to, 
you know, find the best New York beer Stephen is at Cardiff Giant. I'd probably move more like threes and barrier and other halves sure. than any other beers. But like, what, what is what is the marketplace? You know, the buzz about these these cool quirky beers from other states. You know what I think is happening? You're getting much more localization. So people are like, you're getting almost like a neighborhood brewery, almost as you would with a neighborhood bar. You know, if you live near Threes or you live near other half, like that's like your bar, and they're all doing their own cool things. And you know, I think now the differentiation also comes through um, a couple of flagship beers here and there. I mean, Bomb is a is a flagship. If I I, I would assume, you know, for you guys, maybe you didn't want. Intended to, but one hundred percent intended. Yeah, okay, pass, there you go. You, pass it around, want, yeah. Cody. Come on, it's, we want bomb to be yes. You know, because I had a person, uh, my friend, sent me a photo of of bomb, a bottle of bomb that he was drinking. He was like, "Look, I got it. I'm drinking it." And that's sort of a, a cool thing now. You know, you've got these people who are almost, you know, uh, looking for trophy beers, the, the the white whale beers, right? And that happens. You know, people, the breweries are trying to look for you know something that they can really hang their hat on. So our head brewer, you know, Michael Lawley, said something special about Bomb is each time you have it with using four whole adjuncts, uh, the vanilla, chocolate, coffee, and peppers, it's a d- different experience even for him each time he has it. Mm-hmm. And one more beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only problem with Bomb is that I can't have more than one bottle. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I'm, it comes in singles. Yeah. You know what's fun about the show? <laughs> yeah. First, we, we, the show. we got Pauline coming in because of the Taste New York experience. And then at the bar, we met our, our Rochester buddies. And um, we have Prairie Artisan, we have Ethan, our writer, and, and Stephen from Cardiff Giant. So I just want to make a toast to you guys and say, I love doing the show. It's been really special to me. And uh, just, you know, last week we were with Governor Cuomo talking about, you know, the best beers in, in New York. And now we're talking about guys from Oklahoma that, that you should be part of the brain drain and come to New York City. And I guess you are, man. Cause, but there's so much talent in this country for beers now. And it's like, honestly, it's like every day I taste good beers. And I love that. And I, I don't want to knock it at all. And, you know, I want you guys came down from Rochester, man. So, you know, what's what's it like for you guys being on the show and tasting these beers? Um, I feel very fortunate to be invited into this space. Um, and I think it shows what I love about craft beer the most, um, which is taking people from different walks of life that may not necessarily uh, casually encounter each other and talk and creating a community based around um, flavor and conversation and that's kind of like my life mission is creating community. So, cheers, Jimmy. That's a good one. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. And then, Paul, tomorrow, taste New York experience. You know, what, what are going to be the highlights? You guys, there's how many breweries from New York there? Oh, there's only, uh, there's 12 breweries from New York uh, there tomorrow night. So, so yeah, I mean, there's 12 breweries. It's it's uh, cider. It's distilled spirits. It's, it's just a snapshot of what's going on in the state. And, and it's, uh, um, it, it, it it's a great event to go to to kind of get a little taste of what's happening. I mean, that's what Taste New York does is they're kind of the marketing arm of, of New York State craft beverages, as you know. Cheers and salute. Can it, are you gonna, do you have to break in a second? Because I want to say no, something. No, keep going. All right, so I want to say something for the people in the room because Jimmy's really great about, you know, 
being happy that everybody's here. I, I live upstate. Uh, New York State's a big state, for those who, who know. It's a really big state. And New York City is really important to the craft beer scene. And what I love about New York City is I love coming here, but there are certain characters of New York City, the people who define craft beer, and Jimmy Carboni is one of those guys <laughs> that when you think New York City craft beer, it's really, you're one of those guys. No, I mean that. I, I mean, thought, you really are. Everybody knows Jimmy. Jimmy. Everybody knows Jimmy. You know, you got, you got Kuzme and Mary and, you know, Kelly and all these other brewers, but Jimmy is always there. And I think that, you know, that's that's a kind of a cool thing. So thank you for pulling this in and doing this. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You're listening to a legend. No, it's true. Jimmy's it's, New I, York City beer. I'm from New York. I, I live in New York City. So you I know li- what I'm talking about. my whole life, yeah. and he was one of the first beer characters oh. I heard about. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, that's all right, guys. <laughs> it's the truth. It's like, yeah. And, and yeah. number 43 was one of the first beer bars yeah. I went to, actually, in, in the city. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. All right. <laughs> We're all going to hug. Well, yeah, my, and my buddy, and now I'm going to switch it to BR. My, my job is to talk about other people. But BR, you know, you've been on many shows, probably more than almost anyone else. Um, you know, this show tonight is cool. We're trying to talk about New York other states but you guys brought in you know cody and it's been the perfect show for me you know he's able to talk we have oklahoma versus new york and we're all buddies and, and drinking the beer well i mean i think that's one thing that's really cool about the, the the beer industry is that i mean i'm first and foremost a beer drinker so i love the fact that new york state is now so welcoming to local breweries we have some fantastic brewers that have opened up uh breweries that have opened up here in the city uh making really amazing beers uh, you know as Stephen was saying you know there's a whole range it's not just like oh they're all doing ipas or you know there's just so much uniqueness when you look at the the the, the, um, the transmitter beers you know versus the other half beers and all it's there's just something for everyone which is fantastic but um no, I mean, and we also, you know, at, at Shelton Brothers, we enjoy the local beers as well. And that's why we kind of want to bring, that was the main idea behind the founding of Shelton Brothers, was to bring the local beers to people who might not be able to travel over to Brussels and get Cantillon, to Bamberg and get Amars Ungespundent fresh from the tap, just to give them that experience. And then they can say, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I now want to go and check it out. Um, and it's also influenced a lot of brewers. You know, Daniel Thierry from France, his his French uh, Saison yeast is used by a lot of American farmhouse breweries now. Um, you know, there's a lot of just, you know, cooperation, collaboration, and, and just uh, influences from you know, the world beer scene. And what I love about this is the place I get to taste the most beers is on the show. And Stephen in particular, I, I'd love to see how you filtered through all these New York State breweries. Well, I would like to say, so I run two bars. I run the Owl Farm, which has a worldwide focus. We have sell a lot of Shelton Brothers, a lot of B United stuff from all over the country. And I've got Cardiff Giant, which is 100% New York State. And, and so when we were thinking about opening a new bar, um, I guess this is, I was just naive. I thought, oh, we'll do all New York State because it's great. And also, this will be much easier because there's such a smaller pool to choose from and i got like it's almost more work because there's like new breweries every day in new york state Mm -hmm. they're making great stuff and i'm already familiar with like this nice worldwide catalog and i trust br and i trust b united and i trust you know all the shelton stuff and uh and then it gets new york and everything's self-d and i'm like on instagram stalking people (laughs) like sending direct messages how do i get your beer and and that's how new york state is so great right now i mean they're popping up every day and mostly because of the farm brew law that's great man we'll take another short break back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio i'm overwhelmed i love you guys all right woo! high five baseball
Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, Cody. Hey, you want a beer? Yeah, man. What'd you bring next? <laughs> You're trying the Barrel Age Christmas Bomb. I had touched subject on our laws changing. This was one of our, this was our second brewery only release in Krebs, Oklahoma. Uh, bomb with uh, Christmas spices aged uh, in barrels. And what's the, what's the market for really strong beers? I feel like that everyone's drinking, you know, statewide, Paul and everyone else. I feel like people want to drink more session session beers. I, I like a good extra pale ale right now. I'm not really drinking, you know, big, strong hoppy beers anymore, but it's nice to drink, like, a big beer that's really balanced. So I'm not going to touch the subject on too much of the people that already drink beers. The most exciting is when we do tastings in Austin, Texas, or all over the nation, or the people that come up and go, What's your lightest beer? And, you know, that's always, you know, please don't ask that at festivals. It doesn't bother me because, you know, we'll pour a prairie bomb. And like, what? That's your lightest beer? That's this is crazy. And then it might change their, you know, mind on a dark beer, you know, because it is. It's an experience. It's it's exciting. It's an exciting beer. And Barnes, what about you guys up in Rochester? Um, we've got a lot going on, but I would definitely say that Empire Skinny Atlas Kolsch is one of my favorite beers of all time. <laughs> and VR. But... My favorite beer? I don't know what the hell we're talking oh, about. I, don't know. <laughs> well, all I, I know think is, what happened is I'm Cody. Gonna pl- I'm going to plug Rochester because I'm going up there for the first time in Sweet. a couple of weeks. Nice. Ooh, what the, are you doing the there? Rochester Beer Real, Real Beer, beer Expo. Yes. Is that, okay. Yeah. I'm not even sure where I'm going. Is that a, a New York State Brewers Association? It is not. Uh, it's just a, one of those city beer weeks. Uh, they bring in a lot of great beer, and it just celebrates great beer. I was like, Cody, ever since I've been drinking your beer tonight, I just lost my brain. <laughs> Whatever these beers are, the dark bond something. <laughs> You're already dark slurring. Bond. I'm just I love getting it. silly. We already did our job wasted. right. You know, 13%. We already got you. Are they slurring. both 13? Uh, yeah. Wow. I don't know, man. In this state, you shouldn't be allowed to sell beers that strong. Hey, <laughs> don't say that. But we come a long way. I think oh, it's openness. I think mm-hmm. the, I want to kind of round it out because Paul's here in particular, you know, talking about the, the impact that a state can make. On you know quality craft products, and we've seen it in New York, you know. So, uh, are there any taboos that that need to get broken? You know, we're talking about alcohol levels in the South. You know, distributors. You know, are, are there things that? Well, how about Paul? Why don't you, why don't you like outline a few of the really great things that New York has done that other states could emulate? Well, I think we sort of hit on a few of them: self distribution, selling in the tasting room. Um, we have the most. We have actually have the most liberal franchise law uh, in the country. Um, where um, we can breweries can actually leave wholesalers, um, you know, pretty easily, and we actually passed that bill with the wholesalers. Um, so they helped us pass that bill. So so we're pretty we're pretty generous in this state in terms of a kumbaya sort of you know feature. It's everybody. There's a lot of money to be made. Uh, there's a lot of jobs to be had. Um, there's a lot of great beer to be made. And I think that we, we work close with the wholesalers. We work close with the retailers. Um, and and like we can all make good with this, right? So if we work together, then we're not fighting. And that's kind of what's great about the state. And then, Paul, about your job, you know, traveling mm-hmm. the state, you know, you, you guys are you're hosting festivals, <clears throat> beer weeks, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of the parts of the state that you really like going to that, that other people could visit? 
So, so here's what I love about New York State. And, and um, you know, when I first took this job, I was like, how do you market New York State? And you guys know in the city, it, it, it's such a, a, a big state and it has so many personalities. Um, so we came up with this phrase, you know, beers as diverse as, as the, the state that they're brewed in. And, and, you know, a brewer in New York City is going to brew a beer differently than a brewer in Buffalo, New York, or, or in the Finger Lakes, or in Long Island. And, and that's the great thing about New York State is that there's so many personalities, and that, those personalities, and everybody knows, in craft, and uh, no matter where you make craft, uh, you make your beer, um, your personality is in every beer, and that's the beauty of it. And then last week at Governor Cuomo's Challenge, the five breweries that were picked, each one had a totally different style of beer. Now, how, how did that happen? I mean, you had Oma Gang, you had Southern Tier, which, which I'm drinking tonight. The, their the new, new School. New School IPA. Yeah. Prison City. Yeah. Roscoe. That was a voter-driven, you know, so that was a great way for our governor. Our governor called us and said, hey, look it, we want to do this Taste New York Challenge. Um, let's do, like, uh, let the fans vote. Uh, on their favorite brewery. The top five vote-getters are going to get together for this event in New York City, um, and we're just going to do a blind tasting, and we're going to pick the best beer in New York State in the blind tasting. And, and, and a lot of people got ruffled. The beer geeks especially are like, oh, that's crap. You know, why isn't my brewery in there? You know, and they did all their complaining. And what everybody had to understand was the governor of New York State put a vent together to shine a light on New York State beer. That's it. Don't look any deeper than that. Like, it wasn't about the best beer. These weren't the greatest breweries ever to make beer. This was the governor of the, the New York State saying, how can we shine a light on you, and how can we put you out front? And that's amazing to me. It's amazing. No, no that was a great You event, were there. Too. I mean, didn't you think it was I, a great, I, a great the event? Same thing. We've been, we've been no. dying for, like, let's yeah. get Governor Cuomo on the show. Yeah. We know Governor Cuomo's mm-hmm. behind all these things. And uh, cheers to the governor, man. All right. To our governor. And Steve, you know, sure. Cardiff Giant, bro. Yeah, well, I want to talk. You got a lot to say about this. Uh, well, you're talking about like taboos of, of beer brewing and craft beer. And uh, I think a big taboo for the longest time was the fizzy yellow beer, right? That's the domain of the big guys. Um, and then as we've seen the big guys buy up all these other port- all these other brands, I think the most interesting thing I've seen over the last two years is the return of the craft pilsner or, or craft adjunct light beers. Um, loggers, uh, craft loggers mm-hmm. in general, just because you know now we can have a, a craft portfolio, a craft bar, and we don't have to give a line right to these big guys. So, just uh, right now at the table, we've got industrial arts metric pilsner. So, that's Chief O'Neill, mm-hmm. used to be a yep. peak skill, now he's got this great pilsner coming out. Three's Vleet is like all over the city right now, it's one of the just Did you get that in Rochester, Barnum. Not yet, I'm waiting. I love threes. I love Greg. And Paul, isn't that what you said? That so much of the upstate, you know, festivals they really want to try the New York City breweries. Now. Yeah, whenever we do, um, like in Syracuse or Utica or Albany, where we do our festivals, whenever a New York City brewer is there, man, it's a bonus. They want to, you know, because they can't distribute up there, and and people love that. They love New York City beers. And that that's cool. It's totally flipped. Mm-hmm. I feel like the New York City scene blew up in five years. Crazy. Like, good beer just here. explosive. So it, there good. Was, it was really hard for a little while, and then all of a sudden came out of nowhere. Now it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about before, and like you were mentioning, it's really cool to see these guys doing, doing loggers, too. You yeah. know? There's so many loggers that are around that are just clean and straightforward mm-hmm. um, that people are really appreciating. And it's stuff that brewers like to drink and geeks like to drink because they're like, Ugh, I'm just fatigued. I want a, just a lager. You and know, really last nice. week I drank uh, every day at lunch. Industrial arts metric pills. Right. <laughs> well, Jimmy, you were asking about the strong beers and all, and I mean, we still do see that a lot of people asking for. They want the big imperial stouts, they want the bourbon barrel aged beers, but 
I mean, we've loved the Pilsners for a long, long time. And every year we're like, this is going to be the year of the Pilsner. And every year like, oh, our sales are tanking on that. Everyone just wants the, you know, the sours, the barrel age. But now it's finally taken hold. And it's also nice. I mean, that's a very, very difficult style to brew. I mean, you've got to have really good chops as a brewer to brew something that's clean and crisp, you know, with no off flavors, no crazy fruity notes coming to it. And, you know, you look at a lot of these brewers, like Three's Lead is fantastic. Suarez family is doing wonderful beers. It's really nice to see American brewers able to nail this style um, and doing just such a great job at it. It's not an especially economically sound idea to, to brew lagers off the bat because you have to invest in all this extra time right. and equipment to brew these lagers that take longer. So, um, But now we're at a place where you know brewers can afford to do so because they can sell their IPA you know, while they're waiting or whatever. It's really cool. Cody, yes. our Oklahoma visitor. I, I, I ribbed you a little bit, but you're, you're a great talker, a good guy. What are some New York beers that, that stand out for you? Like, wow, man, I want to send these back to my friends. New York beers? Yeah. Grim. I mean, they're yeah, like, oh I was God. pouring next to them last year at the Shelton Fest, and uh, really I fell in love with those guys. I ran into them last night, and I was still like a kid in a candy store. I, you know, I was blushing almost, and it's like, it's, it was just, I, I love those guys, and I love every beer they make, and uh, yes, they're doing exciting stuff. I've had threes uh, recently. Uh, other half, you know, you can't get, you know, the the line is ridiculous at festivals. It's just, you know, and it, it shows. I mean, they're amazing. Paul, do you drink beer at home? I don't. Uh, I do, yes. But uh, it's funny. I don't drink every day. You know, it's funny. When people like, I love my days off, like just water. I'm going to have water today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's water be a tough in job beer. To have. Yeah, there is water in yeah, beer. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, that's for sure. I, I, I will want to add one thing. I don't know how much time we have left, but um, we were thinking about this the other day. You know, millennials are driving this movement, right? They really are, and they love local, and they love craft. And, and I think that when everybody says, hey, the, when is the bubble going to burst? And I hate that. It's not going to burst. It's never going to burst. Uh, I think it'll level out at some point. But I, you can't imagine, you know, we drank what our parents drank. I drank a lot of Bud. I drank a ton of Bud. I drank Miller High Life. I drank a lot of that when I was younger, and now I'm craft. The, the kids today, the millennials today, grew up with craft, right? So I can't imagine a time in their life where they're like, you know what? I don't want a craft beer. I want to drink macro now. And on the way we said, you know, it, it's actually, I said, there's no bubble because mm-hmm. actually people drink a lot of beer, you know, Just so there's not a like. bubble. Drink it's not going like. to go away. We're going right. to, people are going to keep drinking beer. The question sure. is, are they going to drink more and better beer? Probably they are, right? They should drink what they like, yeah. no matter what it is. They but should I, just I drink what they like. I wanted to say yeah. that on, publicly, there's not a craft beer bubble because a lot of people buy a lot of beer. So beer sales are not going away ever. Mm-hmm. We're safe. <laughs> no, it, it's true, though. I, I feel like why would we go you know, in, in the opposite direction where there, we have less selection? No right. one's going to sell that's for that. That's the boldest so. thing I've ever said on the air. Attaboy. <laughs> nice but job, There's no Jimmy. bubble. Nice job, Jimmy. People like beer. And, I, and actually, I'm going to knock the other industries because. <laughs> There's the clap. Thanks. I, I like good whiskey. I like spirits. Sure. It's like that song. I like beer. Yeah. It makes me a jolly good fellow. Well, I can't really drink a lot of spirits. And I like wine, but now I'm, I like drinking beer more. So let's give a toast to beer, guys. And as our buddy, Kelly Taylor from uh, Kelso has trademarked Beer Helps. It does get you through the day. It does. You know, Steve and I, we can have a, you know, I'm going to go over to your spot. What what could I have for lunch tomorrow? Like a a nice lunch beer. You know, in 1979, until then, you could sit outside in New York City, I'm getting radical, and have a beer with your lunch. And, uh, you know, that time, the the law passed that you couldn't drink outside. Before that, you could drink outside with a beer at your lunch. And the article in the New York Times talked about Mary Cox and said, hey, 
this is not meant to keep the condescending worker, the working man down. It's it's more about like the crazy radical hippies. So you know, until 1979, it was common you could sit outside, have a beer for lunch. So what I'm trying to say is, what's your lunch good, beer, bro? Good lunch beer. Yeah. Uh, you know, these days uh, probably Newberg Cream Ale. Or the Peekskill Paramount Pale Ale, just because low alcohol, easy to drink, goes with basically everything. I, I like my low alcohol beers. I really do, because I like to drink all day, and I like I to like be functional. Beer. Ethan, what's your, what's your lunch beer, bro? Oh, man. Well, that Newberg cream is amazing. I don't have access to it very often, but uh, that's a great beer. I, I just like, uh, actually, Allagash makes a hoppy table beer that's really good. Uh, I'm, I'm into table beer now in general. Uh, stuff that's, you know, 4.5%, sort of similar to that, like sessionable, just a little bit of a hot bite. Cody, what's your lunch beer, bro? Uh, it depends where I'm at. Uh, you know, a Las <laughs> Vegas rep was like, man, you're blowing my mind. You you haven't had a prairie beer the whole time you're here. I'm like, well, how do I know what's good in Las Vegas? Like, I want to know what's local, what's good. You know, I'm one of those beer reps. So uh, yesterday, I believe it was uh, lunch, actually. Lunch for lunch. Nice. So. Main lunch? Yeah. All right. BR, what's your lunch beer? It's tough, but I'm going to say uh, De La Seine Terrace Bulba. Awesome. Old school. If I were going to have a lunch beer, it would probably be either Saison DuPont, or if I could, every day, Schwarz family, look no further parallel. Great. Nice. Well, it's going to sound totally politically correct, but it's true. <laughs> it's whatever's local, wherever I am. <laughs> like, what's the most local beer there is? I don't care what state, what, what town, it's whatever's local. I'll tell you, mine right now is, and I've been doing it all last week, Industrial Arts, Metric Pills. That's my lunch beer, kids. So this has been a great show. Everybody, one more time. You just did it. Well, what the hell? We're all good. Uh, those those Prairie Artisan beers kind of put me over the top. So <laughs> my brain stopped working. And uh, big shout-out again, tasting your experience. Paul Leon, thank you for coming out, man. Jimmy Carboni, thank you. Thank this you. is huge. I appreciate <laughs> it. Anybody wants to give a toast to anybody? Let's do it now. Cheers to Governor Cuomo. Cheers. Cheers. Anybody cheers got more local. cheers on you? I don't know. Cheers to local. Well, thanks for coming out. Listen to you. And uh, thanks everybody in the room and for joining me on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, intern Hillary Fasten, and engineer extraordinaire, David Tattasher. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you, Jimmy. People. <laughs> listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.